0: You are now listening to your favorite podcast. This is The Best of the Best, Maverick's Guide to Success. I am your host, Maverick Levy. I can't tell you how much I appreciate. I love you all. The show has been something for me that has been an eye-opening experience To see the amount of people that follow something, that show their support, that give their advice, that give their feedback, that wanna share it. It's amazing for me to see what this show does for other people and I'm forever grateful for all of you for making this show something that gives me that feeling. I just wanna give a quick shout out to Hellava for making the beats you're listening to in the intro and the outro to db podcast they are some of the best partners the best team i could ever ask for and we finally have the network up and running make sure you go listen to insurance made simple with peter vitali a great show focused on insurance and make sure that you're subscribing to that show and leaving that show review insurance is one of those things that you need to know about it so go learn about it go listen Follow the network on social media, TBOTB Network, and then make sure you follow this show, tbotbpod. The website for the network and the show are the same, tbotbpod.com, and I can't even say it. I feel like I'm saying, oh, I can't this, I can't that, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate the support from the network too, because the people that have reached out to me personally, and again, DB Podcast and Peter Vitali, thank you for making Insurance Made Simple happen. We have some other shows in the pipeline for you that are coming to the network very soon. But let's get into the disclaimer because we have an awesome show lined up for you today. The discussions on this podcast are for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. Now everyone, turn your volume up, be focused because we have a great interview for you today so let's get right into this one. I feel like I always start the episodes when there's a guest and I have an intro the same way. I'd like to welcome today's special guest, but on today's episode, I truly mean it. Our guest today, his name is Jeremy DeSantis. He's a longtime friend, a close friend. He's a bodybuilder that has competed and won multiple competitions. He is a personal trainer. He is a coach. He has a lot of different titles. We're going to dive into a lot of different topics, which, in my opinion, are some very important topics to talk about. So let's get right into this. Jeremy, what's going on, man?
1: Hey, Maverick, how you doing, man? Everything is good. Everything is good. Now, unfortunately for Jeremy, he's living in the
0: cold Michigan Burr. weather. What's it like up there? Is it cold right now? Oh,
1: man, it's a sour topic that you brought it up today because we just got some more snow. So, uh, yeah, it's it's cold. It's cold, man, below freezing for sure. Oh. And we just got some more snow and it's not well, the best least, for my vehicle choice.
0: <laughs> well, at least you have some uh, meat on your bones to keep you warm, right? That's right. That's <laughs> right.
1: Get a little thicker in the winter time. Yeah,
0: look at that. It's uh, what do they say? It's cuffing season. You got to make sure you're that's right.
1: You're thicker. That's right.
0: <laughs> but so I want to talk about. I know you were on on season one. And I, of course, wanted to bring you back on season two is health and lifestyle. All that stuff still pertains to every single person in today's world. And I guess the first topic we'll talk about is sort of like a general overall workout plan. So let's go for the person that made a New Year's resolution since we're still kind of early into the new year, even though this podcast will go live in a few weeks, we'll still be somewhat early in to the new year. And they say, you know what, I want to start working out. I want to I want to get my ass in the gym. I want to lose some weight. I want to gain some muscle. What's the number one thing they can do? Can they hop on a treadmill? Can they download an app? What, In your opinion, what's the number one thing they can do to just sort of get active in the gym?
1: Yeah, I guess overcoming the original barrier of starting a routine is the first thing. There's a bunch of behavioral patterns you're going to need to change. And in my profession, it's personal training, right? It's personal first. So how can I change your behavior? And then how can I change your training? That's the best coaches out there. You know, if they're just focused on training and not focused on how to change your behavior, or help you work through some of those bad habits, then I don't think you can keep a long-lasting change possible. So the first thing, you know, going through is is we talk about diet. And I think where a lot of people see the biggest challenge is they try to jump in the pool. And something that will change your your routine and your daily habits so much, you just got to start with one thing at a time. You know, so when you're beginning, you know, your fitness journey or, you know, trying to change your body, it's really important that you just take on one challenge that you can face And then you can overcome it and then you can face the next one Um, because when people are talking about ideals like body image or their health and fitness and stuff like this is that they kind of look how far they are away from what they think is where they want to be, right? But when you move forward, you kind of find out that finish line, you know, equally changes distance farther ahead of you, right? And that's like a, a really fast route to disappointment. You know, you can get discouraged and that's why people quit. And it actually doesn't take them that long. Most people quit their uh, fitness journey about three months in. So having realistic goals, um, sitting down with your health professional and, and talking about what's realistic um, based on, you know, what your barrier to entry is. You know, some people are, are maybe sitting at like a 35 or 40% body fat and some people are coming to you maybe simply athletic and, you know, want to have some better shape and better body composition.
0: Just take on one challenge at a time. I think that's important for people to understand because it can be overwhelming, right? You get in the gym, you see all different body types in the gym, but what's overwhelming is you know that there's more that goes into it. It's not just, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. It's I got to work on my diet. I got to do different things. I got to get enough sleep. I got to do this. I got to do that. So like you said, I think 100% there's different barriers to overcome And I think in today's world, and I don't necessarily want to dive into the topic of COVID and the health benefits pertaining to exercise with COVID because I think that information is out there and people, if they have common sense, they're able to understand that a daily routine, a daily exercise activity is going to help boost their not just immune system, but their overall health. So with that being said, it's important for everyone to understand and hear from you, the best of the best, the professional in this, why it's important to stay active, why it's important to eat right, why it's important to go to the gym. What would you
1: say to that? Yeah, that's, that's a super important question, especially pertaining to COVID. It's an inflammation disease, right? So the more chronic stress or systemic stress on, you have on your body, it kind of amplifies that. Um, And so that can be dangerous, right? If you're not living a healthy lifestyle, and you know you're eating these foods with preservatives and all these things that are you know made in the laboratory, and not you know things you should eat should have a mother or they come from the ground. That's the basic rules, right? Um, So everything else is going to have additives that add inflammation into your body. And when COVID comes in, it's one of those things that's the straw that broke the camel's back, you know. And when you're coming through with this disease, it's it's going to put strain on all organs and all systems for more inflammation. And you know if you have all these chronic diseases already, you know if you have heart disease, you know if you have diabetes, you know. This is the thing that will push you over the edge and being preemptive about it before you get to those stages is the most important thing for the longevity with this, you know, this new world that we're living in and the pandemic, so...
0: Yeah, I really wish. And like I said, I don't want to dive into it too deep because I think the info is out there and the material is already out there. But I think it's so important for people to understand that just getting their ass in the gym, you know, starting with one or two days a week, and then if you can expand on, do it, is going to make the world of a difference. But the other side of it too, and we talked about this in episode one, but I want to talk about it again. We've gained a lot of new listeners, a lot of new followers, and people that are more active on the podcast is the importance of the diet when you're exercising, when you're trying to get that ideal body type. People can go to the gym all they want, right? But it really starts in the kitchen where you're going to make the biggest difference. And that's what you taught me. So to give everyone the background that didn't hear episode one, long story short, I found Jeremy my freshman year of college at Michigan State University. We hit it off instantly, became best friends. And My biggest thing was, I was working out, I was there every day, but it didn't start until Jeremy sort of helped me along with someone else in my life, Lance, that you have to eat the food to build the body. You can be in the gym seven hours a day, five hours a day, it doesn't really care that you're in the gym when i say it doesn't i mean your body doesn't care that it's in the gym if you're not putting the right nutrients in it am i somewhat accurate with that jeremy yeah, that's
1: right i mean it take your you know your ferrari for example and if you put unleaded in it it's it, that engine system is not meant for that kind of fuel there is optimal health but it's different for everybody and you kind of have to take it one step at a time like we went through before just think about tomorrow being a little bit better than yesterday, right? And then accumulative over time, you'll pick up the behavioral patterns for diet. We'll let you identify your plate, you know, and when you're looking at your plate, you can identify what protein, carbs, and fats are. And after you can just simply identify it, then you can quantify it, right? And then once you can quantify it, then you are on the top tier form of nutrition, right? And that's kind of how it succeeds, you know, in terms of nutritional knowledge.
0: Yeah, so you put the food in your body, you get your ass in the gym, you do some exercises, you're eating right? I think an overlooked topic that there's been a few sort of health coach lifestyle people that I follow touch upon, but you and I have talked about it a good amount of time is sleep and how important sleep is. Why is sleep so important for the body, especially when you're trying to build and or maintain your ideal body image?
1: That is a very important factor because sleep can affect, you know, stress. It can, when you don't get in these deeper forms of REM sleep, If your sleep pattern's interrupted, and you can track that on most of the uh, Apple Watches if you wear it while you're sleeping and stuff like that too. There's a lot of tech out there that you can track that. If your quality of sleep is not good, then you wake up tired, right? And you kind of wake up in this fight response where it's like your body never got to fully rest. And if you're always in this fight response, you're susceptible to everything challenging your body, like anxiety, you know, you're going to have adrenaline's going to be pumping throughout the day when it shouldn't be just to keep the heart rate up. And you're going to have weird, irregular heart rates during the day. Um, Cause your circadian rhythm, it is healed when you're sleeping, right? That's happens. And that gets you into those kind of like the recharge your battery mode. You know, when you plug your phone into the wall, it's the same thing with your body. If you're not allowing yourself into those deeper forms of sleep, it's the same thing that happens when you take a nap, you know, for over 35 or 40 minutes that you wake up and you feel like you got hit by a truck. You touched into the deeper form of sleep, but your body was ready to go longer, but your consciousness woke you up. So that's just how you feel. And I, I think everyone you know, relatively older has experienced that and can relate to that too. So super important, man, super important for the body.
0: Diving into sleep a little more, When you don't get enough sleep, I think there's people out there that I personally know, some of my friends, and they'll say, oh, you know, I only need four or five hours of sleep and I feel healthy. So it's not universal, right? The eight hours of sleep or the six hours of sleep. Would you say it's more dependent upon how you gauge your body when you're getting sleep? Or is there a specific number that's like everyone should have this amount of hours of sleep per night?
1: Yeah, there there definitely is no like perfect amount of time for everybody. Everybody's a little bit different and everybody's schedule requires a little bit different demands. But the most important thing is that you get to those deeper REM sleep. So it really depends on your quality of sleep, right? Do you have sleep apnea? That's going to take you longer to get to that deeper REM sleep. And it's probably often super interrupted. Um, So the time you're sleeping is not necessarily as important as getting into that REM sleep and that battery recharging sleep that you want. Um, That's the most important thing. So if I had to give it a you know quantifiable number, it's definitely between six and eight hours for most people.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because I'm right in the middle. I know my body. I've learned seven hours of sleep for me is perfect. I can deal with six hours of sleep, but anything less than six hours of sleep, my day's not ruined the next day. There's definitely a weight on my shoulders, like what the fuck? Yeah, I didn't get enough sleep. Yeah, sort of thing. But
1: sleeping too. So if you interrupt that sleep and you only go six hours, what are you going to do during the day, right? You're going to nap and that's going to crush your pattern for the next day of sleeping, right? These success, like they snowball into each other, right? So the people that are napping during the day typically have terrible, terrible REM sleep. They don't get into that deeper sleep because their body only has these small different times to take naps and it's not a good habit to get in for most people's schedule. Yeah. If you had the ultimate freedom of, you know, sleep schedule, then I mean, maybe you could make it work if you had no demands during the day, but that is just not the average human life nowadays, so...
0: No, definitely not. And like you said, naps, they're dangerous. When you start getting into that nap game, it's dangerous, very dangerous. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm thinking of different things that factor into exercise and working out. You know, you have the eating, you have the exercising, sleep, of course, we just talked about. What's your thoughts on using exercise as a stress release in your life, right? If you got pent up energy, if you're angry, if you're upset and you go to the
1: gym, do you feel that you're going to have a better workout? Yeah, so you're saying using emotion as like maybe a a tool in your workouts and things like this. Exactly. Absolutely. I think that's healthy because uh, what's your other choice, right? Take it out on other people or, um, you know, express your emotion or, you know, act on your emotion during, you know, a volatile time. And that's probably not the right way, right? But if you can use it as fuel to your workouts, absolutely. That is definitely, you know, a mind piece you can use to promote, you know, and push harder training. And that's what all the power lifters do, right? When you see them go right before their lift, you know, they're like, they look like they're going to like barbaric times and they're screaming and they're, what they're doing is they're actually connecting with their central nervous system and uh, it gets your body more more ready because, you know, something that even I want to talk about today is that action precedes your emotional state, right? If you talk about with the best people that are public speakers, if you watch them before they go on stage, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, some of these great, great speakers, they're always jumping around, right? They're always jumping around right before they go. And that's because if you can change your emotional state, your action will follow shortly after, right? If you're mad, if you're super mad, right? And you want to change your state, force yourself to smile. Right, you cannot stay mad long. One of them will change. You'll either stop smiling, or you'll stop being mad, and that's built into us. You know, something that is in everybody intrinsically that works. So, I mean, that's the exact same reason why you can channel into that, and it's not, you know, a hoax. It's not a scam. It is the real deal. You know, so that is physiology.
0: Absolutely. And what'd you call that? What was the what was the title you said? Action. Beats, what was it? Yeah, so
1: emotional state drives action, right? And if you can come out, you know, right before you're about to do something exciting or, and you get into that mood, you get in that excited mood and then you will project the excited emotion much better than if you didn't do that. You only have 50% of the head on board. You got you got your mind on board, but you don't got your body, right? But if you come out right beforehand and you jump around like this is backstage and then you go out on that stage, you can project that excitedness to other people too. And it, and it will be contagious. They'll feel that even though they're sitting there and they're not moving. They will feel it off of you and feed off that energy.
0: No, absolutely. And I think that it's important for people to understand that emotion can be the driver of action. Because like you and I talked about before the show, we know a few different people that have went through some life challenges, breakups, divorce, whatnot, and use that emotion to say, I want to get my ass in shape. I want to be in the gym. I want to be a better version of me. I want to be the version that I am happy with when I look in the mirror. And I think sometimes people don't realize that having those underlying factors be the cause of you wanting to get yourself and your health in shape is totally okay. I think some people frown upon that. And to me, it's why are you going to frown upon it when maybe that was the hidden key that they needed to find in order to do this for themselves? Maybe they wanted to do it before, but they didn't have that push. And this is that push over the ledge saying, hey, go do it. That's yourself telling yourself, hey, go and do it. And I think that people sometimes are weary of admitting that that's the reason they got in the gym, right? If you talk to someone, it's probably awkward for them to say, oh, you know, I actually got myself in shape because I went through a divorce. And maybe they'll tell it to you because you're their personal trainer, but they're not going to tell it to the person that sees them and say, hey, you look really good. You lost a bunch of weight, got yourself in shape, you know, great for you. They're not going to really say that. So I think that underlying factor that's there a lot of the time isn't brought to the surface for some people in their life, because I'll be honest with you, I would say 99.8% of the reason that I even started working out was because I was that skinny, lengthy kid that was always known as that skinny kid. My arms were toothpicks before. My legs were toothpicks before. That was how my body was naturally built. If I didn't work out five, six days a week, now my body would still go back to that phase that my body knows of being that toothpick, that skinny kid that was always called the skinny kid, right? And now, you know, I have meat on my bones and people that knew me way back in the day and see me now, they're like, wow, you know, you look great. And it makes me feel good, but also makes me feel like, yeah, I use that motivation sort of, you know, the haters are the motivators. Maybe they're not necessarily hating, but they're giving me that emotion to drive my action to get in the gym and be that change and so i I just wanted to bring that up because i think people sort of throw that under the rug sometimes when it should be brought to the surface that it's okay to use some of that stuff as other factors you know don't get too extreme with it but it's perfectly okay anything
1: that kind of makes you uncomfortable is going to make you grow right and going back to that there's a triangle it's perception action and emotion right and let's take your podcast for example If you were over-consumed by other people's opinion of what they thought about your podcast, your action would be that maybe you quit the podcast, right? And the action, when you're moving forward with the action and the emotion, is that we've overcome, that we think we can, you know, maybe provide something for other people that's greater than the the scared portion of, oh, maybe these people are going to judge us, right? And that's a very important thing that speaks out during training, too, right? When people come to train they're worried about doing it wrong in front of other people, right? And that's a big component and they're like, oh, I I get nervous, I feel uncomfortable because I don't know what I'm doing. But there's a famous quote um, that's out there, if you're not willing to be the fool, then you'll never be the master, right? And that's the same thing. You have to go, it's anything that you do, you're gonna come to a point where this is the first time you're gonna try it and you have to know that failure's gonna happen, right? It's gonna happen, it's okay, that's what helps you grow and I think that's what's wrong with our school systems as well is that they don't promote failure, right? there, If you get a failing grade, that is a terrible thing, right? You can't pass your grade if you fail, right? And it kind of creates this connotation on people and I see it as a coach because, people kind of treat me like I'm their teacher, but I think teaching and coaching are much different. You know, I'm coming here for the best of your own goals. There's no grade for you. There's no grade arbitrary to you or your neighbor, right? So when they come into me, you know, they're kind of treating it and they kind of want to finesse me, right? They kind of want to be like, oh, I'm eating, you know, egg whites for breakfast and I'm eating chicken and rice for lunch. And it's like, okay, well, if you're doing that, I don't think you need me anymore, right? You would have been where you wanted to be, right? If you think, because everyone has an idea of how to do it right, right? And the thing with nutrition is, Everyone knows the right food groups, but no one knows how to quantify it, right? How much is too much or how little is too little? You know, the macro and micronutrients demands as well. But it's super important that when you're moving forward that you don't get discouraged by number one, other people's opinion, because you're going to grow, right? In a year from now, if you take yourself out of your seat and you had a crystal ball and you looked at yourself from a year from now, you would be proud of the progress you made if you started. But oh my gosh, it will absolutely destroy you if you have the same question and you didn't grow a year from now.
0: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with that anymore. And Jeremy is a great personal trainer, but he's an even better bodybuilding coach, an even better fitness coach, because that's truly his passion. He loves the bodybuilding world. He loves that whole industry. And I will tell you, and I'm going to say this in front of all the listeners on this podcast, is when Jeremy and I started working out every single day, five days a week together, it was 2018, right? 2018? 17, yeah. 2017. In 2017, Jeremy would sit and tell me, how one day he's going to be the number one bodybuilding coach. One day he's going to go pro
1: in, what is it, the NPCC? Is that IFBB, what it is? IFBB, yep, the International Federation of Bodybuilders. Yep. What's NPCC? The National Physique Committee. That's that's the Amateur League. So, yeah, you're not wrong. Okay, That's the Amateur League. But okay. once you join the Pro League, it's the International Federation of Bodybuilding.
0: Okay. <laughs> we're Both of them, he's crushed both of them. <laughs> he's, he's won both of them. And he's now a pro, which means he can only compete in the Pro League. But what I'm going to say is that Jeremy manifested that and worked hard for that he would tell me all the time that he's going to do this and that he's going to have his own clients that are bodybuilders and he's going to be a coach And he's put the work in where now those dreams and those ideas are just coming to fruition. So number one, I'm happy for you. And number two, I'm very proud of you as a friend because I've personally seen the transition of you manifesting and telling me all the time to now it truly being a reality of things. And I think as time goes on and you continue building on this idea that's your dream and your vision, you're eventually going to get to the top of where you want to be because you have that motivation, you have the understanding of of the human interaction and what's the best way to be a coach to someone. And with all that being said, since you truly are the best of the best in that industry and you've made a name for yourself where people know who you are, you're recognized, I want to talk about the bodybuilding world. There's a lot going on in that world. And while I'm not a bodybuilder and I never intend to to be one even though I'm two weeks out from every competition. <laughs> All day, me, day. Me, and Jer- me and Jeremy have a little joke. You, When Jeremy's two weeks out, he's a grumpy guy because he's <laughs> he's got a lot going on on his mind. And so I always tell him I'm two weeks out. I'm always two weeks out. But no, I never planned to be a bodybuilder, but the industry fascinates me because everyone that's in it is so obsessed with it. That is their life. And Jeremy has created Team DeSantis, which he has... How many people you have on Team to say?
1: Well oh, man, it's, uh, it's up in the 60s now, man. Wow. So
0: he's got 60 plus people on his team that are looking to Jeremy for the leadership, for the guidance, for the handholding of how to get to their ideal body in the bodybuilding world. And I find this so fascinating because I've seen him take a random woman to a pro immediately. I've seen him take men from... Looking at them in the gym saying, oh, yeah, this guy's part of the team. And now they look fucking shredded and jacked (laughs) and they're winning competitions. I've seen the transformation with my eyes. It's not just someone I found I've done my due diligence on. Yep, they're great. Jeremy, I have physically seen the transition from the talking of the idea to the reality of things. And like I said before, I couldn't be happier for him, nor could I be any more proud of him as a friend and as a brother. But of course, and. I wanna talk about this bodybuilding because I think there's a lot going on. You're seeing this weird thing going on now where this sort of generation of the greatest of the greats, not the best of the best, they are, you know, the greatest of the greats. Some of them are starting to pass away from things that happened and you and the team you've put together have sort of taken a different approach with that. So let's just dive into the bodybuilding world. You know, what's the current environment of it now? What's going on in that world now? What's happening there? Yeah,
1: Just like evolution of any sport or anything in general through history of time, you're going to learn more. You're going to have more tools to manipulate the outcomes. And and with bodybuilding before, it was, you know, it was about size, but it was less about health practice. And the problem with it is in the things with endure bodybuilding with performance enhancing drugs is that you have to pay attention to the signs and symptoms when you're, you know, growing to a size that I can tell you this right now the, the signs of obesity, you know, heart disease, diabetes, can still be seen in bodybuilders, even though they work out every day because they're so massive, right? They're still obese, right? Like, even though it's not fat, it's lean body mass, right? And it still puts the same strain on the organs that would, you know, attack you if you were overweight, right? So, you know, the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, these kind of things, they take a toll, especially, you know, blood pressure is a precursor to things over a long period of time that can really do some damage. And uh, yeah, the older bodybuilders were passing away. They didn't necessarily have the access to the information, uh, not nearly that we do now. I mean, think about... It's basically they were playing telephone, right? They had a friend who had a friend who had a friend that they found out what they were doing, right? With the internet now and, and we get diverse communication is that we can consult other people and see what they're doing and now we can form, you know, maybe more logical opinions about, you know, how to proceed forward and, and the most important thing about bodybuilding now is, is to mitigate risk, right? We don't want to put ourselves in harm's way because we already are. And um, it, the continue, the bigger you get, right? The larger the person, the more the risk. Right. And uh, because everyone's still born the same way, you know, with the organs and genetics that were meant to be a normal science human being. But, you know, we see some people that are, you know, maybe the normal, the average human being is maybe 155 pounds and we see people into the 300s. Right. And, uh, you know, how could they live, you know, in this curious way and and get to old age and still be safe? And, you know, at the end of the day in bodybuilding or any sports that you play, doesn't matter if it's football or basketball, you're taking a toll on your body that you will end up paying a price for later right it's just that you know law of breaking down the body over time but how you can mitigate the risk along the way is the most important thing and um you know watching blood work and going through health markers and this this works for everybody this is not just bodybuilders man i think the most the basic thing that you can do for your health is, is start an exercise program and get on a good diet and get professional help, but the next thing you can do is seek the blood work, right? Look at the blood work. Look what's going on underneath the hood, right? If you just see what's on the outside, I can tell you right now, I know plenty of people who look absolutely Instagram worthy per se on the outside, but they are rotting on the inside, right? And at the end of the day, you know, that time here is going to be cut short because of their habits and, and their negligence to choose and look at their health you know from the inside perspective too and and that's the difference right so these older bodybuilders have paid consequence because they didn't have the access to the information at the time to you know judge their blood work and see how they can mitigate risk over time and i think we're seeing a new form of bodybuilders come through and they're they're actually bigger because they know how to mitigate this risk and and but the problem is, is that's that superficial ceiling right if we have bigger bodybuilders we have more risk of bodybuilders right dying um, so there's this funny game, and you know how it is in America, man. It's bigger, faster, stronger all the time, you know, and, and it, I don't see that slowing down. So depending on what, you know, emphasis you are in bodybuilding, obviously open bodybuilding being the biggest bodybuilders, and then there's classic bodybuilding that would be like your Chris Bumstead, for example, a recognizable name, and then men's physique, and that's what I do in men's physique is, you know, it's more of a relative body weight. Mine, per se, was 204 pounds on stage for my pro show um, versus bodybuilders that sit at 300, right? And each of those tiers hold their own risk. It's important to make sure that you can mitigate along the way, Um, you know, at least find out the precursors to what your genetics are because everybody's different, man. Some people might have underlying high blood pressure. Some people might have underlying kidney disease or arrhythmias, you know, heart arrhythmias. And all of these things will stress you out when you're trying to get to this optimal performance, right? And uh, it's like it's putting NOS on your car. Right? It's going to stress the system, and the weakest point is going to crack. And then once it cracks, you're in trouble. And uh, the only thing you can do from there is to try and fight the symptoms and the problems. So,
0: something I've always appreciated about Jeremy is from the second I've met him. He never was one of those guys that denied the usage of what I'm going to call steroids and what you would call performance enhancing drugs. He never, when I would show people pictures, and actually mostly my dad loves showing people pictures of Jeremy. He loves it. <laughs> you're like, well, check this guy out. And they're like, oh, you know, yeah, well, he's on steroids. Well, yeah, you could fucking take steroids all you want, but that's not going to mean you're going to get the type of body. It's not just, I'm going to fucking chill on the couch, take steroids, and I'm going to have have Jeremy's body. It doesn't work like that. But what I was saying is I appreciate him being open about it because I think that closed door discussion of the performance enhancing drugs is one that hurts the overall industry of not just bodybuilding, but working out. You walk into a gym and you very quickly can identify those that are on performance enhancing drugs. Sure. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. You can identify them, but If you go up to them, I think a lot of the times people, you know, you're not just going to walk up to a random fucking person and say, oh, you're on performance enhancing drugs. Tell me about it. But as you dive more into the discussion, I think people keep that door closed because they don't want to talk about it. Whereas Jeremy is open to talking about it because he knows it's being done and he wants people to do it in a way that is... I don't want to say the word healthy, but is done in a way. Exactly. It's as safe as possible for the human body and for that person based upon like he said, their blood work and what's going on underneath the hood. And so can you just give a little sneak preview? I know you're diving into something with the people you're in works with about this discussion on performance-enhancing drugs. Can you give them a little sneak peek into that and what you're going to be talking about with that?
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I, I work with a, a coaching team. Um, it's called Gifted Performance, and, and I have some absolutely brilliant minds. And, and everyone brings their own you know, knowledge to the table. You know, and and I think my strongest is, you know, behavioral science and how to change people's behaviors and and also the understanding of health and how to mitigate risk. But when we're talking about this course that we're bringing out, we want to be able to be the beacon of light for people that don't know what they're doing, because regardless of whether people want to accept it or not, no matter where you go what gym you go to, there's going to be someone doing it and there's going to be someone doing it very, very stupid, right? And if we can mitigate that risk and add some education to there, maybe we can, because it's not going to stop the people from doing it regardless. People are going to do it, right? It's bigger, faster, stronger community in the United States. That's how it is. It's never going to change. If we can shed some light on that and give some people some knowledge and be able to help people take care of themselves, do it the smart way and do it the right way. um, That's the most important thing. And, uh, and the difference between performance-enhancing drugs and steroids, right? Steroids are usually referred to androgens. And androgens are things that, you know, build muscle over time. But performance-enhancing drugs can honestly be, it's, there's a whole variety of performance-enhancing drugs, right? Adderall, performance-enhancing drug. You've heard of that one before. Caffeine is still a performance-enhancing drug. Anything that aids performance, you know, or fat loss or, you know, cognitive ability, um, you know, or you, it's even drugs that you'll increase your your rest cycles, you know, stuff like that. These are all performance enhancing drugs when it comes down to it because they're going to enhance your performance. Um, But yeah, we're specifically talking about, you know, steroids and androgens and this kind of thing. It's people are negligent to the fact it's easy to see a bodybuilder at the gym and they look this way because of this. And the sad part is they want to believe that, right? They want to believe that because it makes them feel better about themselves because maybe they haven't seen a change in a while. But the sad fact is if you take those bodybuilders before they even chose that route, right, they still did the nitty-gritty work They are still eating to the diet. They're still training to the teeth, you know And I hate when they they take away from the bodybuilder in that aspect from that simple reason and and honestly, you know Who it mostly does it? It's not actually just the general pop. It's the natural community, right? And they want to hate on us because you know Maybe we have something that they really would like to have but they want to blame it on you know This is the difference between me and him is simply these drugs and that's not true Right. That is not true. We, we actually accept more risk, um, you know, in process of doing it. And it's something that makes things way more challenging. Right. You know, if you take, you know, a certain drug and you have to mitigate risk with another drug. Right. And these things create a really big map. And, you know, that's why the reason why I love bodybuilding so much is because, you know, it's not necessarily the highest paid avenue. Of course not. But it's a hobby that people love. And it's that same action that if you really, really invest in yourself, you can have something, you know, to show. And that principle holds through with everything um, behavioral-wise and not just bodybuilding. And if they can hate on that procedure of, you know, really working on yourself and, uh, you know, you have to push every quality that you have. You know, you have to you know, prioritize your time and change your friend groups and, you know, make sure that you, everything around your day is revolved around the best possible outcomes for what you want. And ma- it's a polarization, right? It's almost like a gravitational pull. And when you find those people that are, you know, really, really being careful with their time and who they share their time with, you know, those are some of the most important to be by because it's it's this hierarchy of behaviors that they have that it's important that they see it this way and they do it this way and and it's going to promote, you know, them getting to that next level and it's the only way it can happen, right? If you start giving away more of your time to people that don't, you know, cherish it, you know, you're you're wasting your time, so.
0: I think when I was a freshman in high school, I went to a larger high school. And then my sophomore, junior and senior year, I switched to a smaller high school because I moved. But my freshman year, I can't tell you the amount of guys in high school that were using performance enhancing drugs, steroids, whatever it was, they were using them. And they were probably using them in a way that was very hurtful to their body. They just wanted to get You know, they were still working out, don't get me wrong. They weren't the guys saying, okay, you know, this is just going to make me strong. They were still in the gym, but they were probably using them in an unfortunate way. And I think that's the same thing going on. I think you have younger people using them in the wrong way and you need to get that education out there because it's going to happen regardless of if you make it illegal, regardless of if you don't want it to happen doesn't matter. It's going to happen. So the education that you're doing is important for those people to not hurt them in the long-term effect of it because it's going to happen. Like I keep saying it, no matter what, it's going to happen. Just like anything else that's probably bad in this world, it's going to happen. But educating on the best way to do so, the safest way, the healthiest way and something like this is so important because that's the difference maker for these people's lives down the road. But I got to ask this question, bro. I got to cuz you're my boy. Is this shit making your dick smaller what? <laughs> Is that is that a myth or what what's
1: the deal? Well, it's 100% a myth because uh in utero what do you think actually makes the penis grow? This is a funny question, but it's actually testosterone, right? Well, people get confused. They once again they like to blindside that cuz it's kind of a an undercut. You know, if someone's bigger, they kind of feel, you know, like they're they're maybe a little bit more less secure about themselves because so they try to make this up but it does not shrink the shaft. <laughs> the, the balls are a different story, <laughs> but that's where people get it confused. It's not the shaft.
0: <laughs> but it's the balls though. Is that
1: true? Sure, that- that's what produces your natural testosterone, right? And if you're getting it synthetically, then why would your body need to make it, right? So the organ atrophies. That's correct.
0: Damn, that's crazy. I never knew that. Yeah. So you Jeremy's got grapes and the banana, yeah. you know what I mean? Long long. long. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it truly was something that I just popped into my mind. Like, you got to ask him, you know, he's not some (laughs) random sitting there. And I'm sure people have that question in their heads, too, about that. So it's like I said, it's great, in my opinion, that you're doing this because I've seen it firsthand where people are using. And even when you and I were in the gym and you would point out the people that are just being stupid, it's like you want to help them, right? It's this whole thing where you want to be that guidance. You want to be that help. The show is focused on the shit that's not taught in school. And with Instagram, like you said, the Instagrammable body, that's the thing nowadays. We see the younger generation, my age and younger, really being in the gym, really putting in the work in the gym that are in that social media life, I would call it, because It's important and what is the quickest way to get there, I should say, or the most efficient way to get there. It's using these performance enhancing drugs. But Jeremy, what's been going on with these companies that are putting these performance enhancing drugs in their products and what's the deal with all that?
1: Yeah, let's actually take a step back real fast and it's better to be able to talk about this stuff openly because it's the same thing with filters and makeup on TikTok, right? It creates this artificial standard for everybody to look at and compare themselves to. And if no one's able to talk about, you know, performance enhancing drug use, right, then they're going to make assumptions about it and stereotypes, just maybe some that you've, you know, asked me about just recently. And so when those filters and makeup and the whole thing, it creates this artificial standard and the same thing with performance enhancing drugs. And if it's less talked about, then people aren't going to, they're going to be too scared to say anything, you know, because maybe those influencers get paid by supplement company sponsorships, right? And they want their focus to be on the protein, the creatine, the pre-workout, right? And really this person that's selling it to you is obviously taking other things besides that, um, right? So it creates this artificial standard that I do not like. And if there's no open platform to talk about it, there's just assumptions to be made. And that's not good. That's where the mental health is taking a crisis and we're gonna see it in the next following years here. And I'm not, not too far away, it's already happening. But worse so in probably three or four years um, when the COVID generation gets a little bit older, um, there's just gonna be a standard of, you know, everyone's gonna wanna stay home and everyone has a superficial standard of what other people are doing that it's not realistic. So, more mental illness and uh, more ideal issues uh, that happen and, and that 's an important topic to talk about too, because the more you talk about it, and the more that people realize that these filters are not real or the same thing with you know performance enhancing drugs it 's not the creatine or the the glutamine that's you know promoting them to this artificial standard, you know people can be a little bit more comfortable in their own shoes um, that way as long as the information is out there
0: it's definitely something that's even fascinating to me, someone that is not using performance enhancing drugs is not doing any of those things, but I've seen it firsthand. Like I said, and it's just like a, why not get educated about it? If you're going to use it, why try and keep it in the closet in the dark when it's something that's known that's clear as day that if someone's doing this or not, and If someone's not doing it properly, is there any adverse effect to the physical appearance of their body or is it always going to look good on the exterior and sort of be corroded on the interior or is there a way where someone's like totally fucked up on the outside from these?
1: All of the above, right? So, I mean, like, if you're taking these permanent drugs, you're putting, you know, technically a male hormone into your body at an excessive, exogenous amount, right? So you can get the problems that male pattern baldness has, right? All these problems that, you know, that males have in the extremes, you know, like the the hair will thin. That's why you, when you see bodybuilders age over time, they typically don't have a nice set of hair, right? And that happens in men and women bodybuilding, you know, and especially for women, just think about the catastrophic effects of putting a male hormone in a woman's body, Right. So there has to be rules and regulations towards it but if no one's willing to talk about it how are these rules and regulations going to be formed Um, that's the bigger question and and that's what we're shedding the light on that through our course modules and i think it's really first of its kind so hopefully it becomes revolutionary and people take it serious um, because there's a lot of information and just some amazing amazing brains working on this to create some information for the community to do it safely wow that's amazing, bro. That's amazing. Well, what's some contact info for
0: you if people are interested in talking with you? Because do you just offer through your coaching program? Is it just bodybuilding or is can the average Joe come and say, hey, I want to gain some muscle, lose some weight? What is your target market?
1: Yeah, and I'll get the contact information in a second, but I think a, a really important thing to clear up is the principles You know, for people that are natural and the people that use performance enhancing drugs are still the same, right? There's just workload, that, that volume that they cannot handle, right? You know the, the natural person would not because we repair faster. That that's the whole point of it, right? We we're able to amplify the repairing process, and the faster you can repair, the faster you can hit that muscle again at full performance. And then over time, that creates you know you getting ahead technically in terms of muscle mass. But the principles remain the same. Um, so whether you're natural or whether you're not, those diet principles, those training principles are relatively the same. Obviously, plus or minus load. But yeah, contact information for me it's Jeremy underscore DeSantis. That's you know just like the governor of Florida, D-E-S-A-N-T-I-S, Uncle Ron. Uncle Ron. Hey, shout out, man. If he's listening, that's that's cousin <laughs> or Uncle Ron, I'm not sure. But when I move to Florida, you know, I want that warm welcome, maybe some scissor cutting for the city. I'll take that. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, you can, you can find me there, you know, at giftedperformance.com. That's my email for my business email. And, you know, I'll get back to you, you know, within just this 24-hour notice there. So, Yeah. And you're on Instagram and Facebook all over, right? TikTok. Yep. Every platform, you know, I try to indulge in it. Even though, you know, I'm not necessarily the man that loves to be behind the camera, but it's definitely a good business avenue. And obviously the most important thing is to be able to reach you guys and teach you guys. So,
0: yeah. So when you were in the Hulk movie. and Conan the Barbarian, it wasn't
1: Arnold. It was me. You know, it was me the whole time.
0: Exactly, exactly. No, but Jeremy, I can't say it enough how much I respect you. Again, how proud I am of you for making your dreams into a reality. As you can hear from the way Jeremy talks, he very rarely doesn't have an answer that is educational, that's based on the research, that's based on statistics. He's not pulling this out of his ass whatsoever. And what's funny is when I have something going on in my body that's irregular, for example, my left hand had been killing me for a few weeks. When I mean killing me, I mean killing me. I am 100% will be honest. I'm a baby with pain. I'm such a baby with pain. But my hand, it wasn't like, oh, this hurts. It was a throbbing pain. And my first thought for anything like that is to text Jeremy. And the reason that I do that is because I know how educated he is on the human body. Yes, he is not a doctor. But to me, Jeremy has a better perspective than a doctor sometimes. And I think there's different reasons for that that I'm not going to go into. But I look to him for those things. And for all of you listeners on the podcast, you've probably been listening for, you know, a few episodes, or maybe you've been listening for the whole first season and now the second season. But I've instilled this trust in a Jeremy that should let you know that it's okay for you to instill this trust in a Jeremy too, because he's going to be there. He responds timely. He picks up the phone. He answers the emails and he's educated. He's not just some guy doing this to make a cash grab. He's someone that's doing this to make a living off of it because he loves doing it. This is his passion. Absolutely, This is what he loves to do. And you know, I feel very fortunate to have Jeremy in my life. I wish I could see him more. Um, Maybe he's going to come visit. Yeah, maybe he's (laughs) going to come visit soon. But nonetheless, for any of your meal plan, working out, bodybuilding, general health questions that maybe you don't want to go and ask a doctor, you want to ask someone else and, and get their opinion on it, Jeremy is that guy. And I think it's important that people understand that that's who you are. I think that a lot of things that you know are useful to everyone. And to get that word out there is just essential in my eyes. And you know, I asked you on the first season episode, the question I always ask everyone at the end of the interview is, what do you wish when you were in your early 20s? I asked you that already. So if you wanna go hear it, go listen. So the last question I'm gonna ask him is, what do you wish you knew about bodybuilding
1: when you were in your early 20s? Yeah, well, that is a good question. And honestly, when I was 20, I wish I knew about the access to information, right? Because it was more, you know, when I got into bodybuilding, it was, it was about almost a decade ago, about nine years. And there wasn't really anybody standout in my community that I could come to as a, like a safe place for information. And uh, everyone was too scared to talk about it. And it was really taboo. It's one of those things that when you can reach out for somebody and it's a lot easier now, there's people on, you know, more open minded to the whole thing. But when you're moving forward, I think the most important thing is, is that you find the professional knowledge that can aid you. But don't always just go with one opinion, you know, like find, do your own research, formulate a good question. And then go to the professional help and have them ha- walk you through it of why that's happening, right? You shouldn't always rely on every piece of information to come from your coach, but you should have a general idea and still do your own research. And then they clarify those results for you. And then you guys can kind of combat through the you know, pros and cons of what the best scenario is for you because every body is different and that's B-O-D-Y, right? So every single person is going to be different. They're going to have their own different preludes to different problems. And you know, so it's this really like detective game that you play. And, uh, and we definitely don't want to undermine doctors here, but, you know, doctors typically with the health insurance, you know, how it gets around and we'll make this real quick on why that happens, but the health insurance, they overload them with clients that they're really only dealing with people that are already very sick. Right. But if we can take a step before that and we can work before you're sick, you know, and making sure that you, you have optimal health, right. We're talking about you, if you have the most energy you can, you, you know, you have the most libido that you can possibly have, you know, you're making sure that, you know, all the physiological functions are working in your body to get, give you in the best mind states, emotional states happiness you know these are all correlated to how your body is feeling that's what we do right doctors come in and they're going to fix what's broken but there's people out there these coaches and these you know great knowledgeable people there's dietitians there's the people who just teach training alone um, that can help you with it and uh, if you can get that preluded help, you're not going to hit those big major problems in your life, you know, it maybe as soon, maybe it buys you more time or also maybe you can correct the problem before it even goes wrong. And that's the most important thing because why would you ever want to see a problem if you can fix it before it happens?
0: Yeah, now listen, absolutely. Jeremy, I got to say, we talked about it before i'm going to talk to you about it after the show we got to get you your own podcast (laughs) we got to get you on the network we got to do it you're so knowledgeable about this stuff you already have a following for it and you got the voice this is hot 107.5 jeremy's got the radio voice (laughs) jeremy's got the radio voice i I should
1: really get it rolling huh
0: (laughs) yeah yeah but listen jeremy thanks for coming on again it's always good to talk to you. We're Facetiming, so it's good to see you Hell yeah. and love you, bro. Love Proud you, of bro. you, and for the next one, on to the next one, right? That's right, man. To the next endeavor. All right. Take it easy. Yep. Yeah, we'll see you. We have another free sponsorship that I'm giving away to someone from these awesome Facebook groups I'm a part of. This one specifically is Mota Collective. And today I would like to show a spotlight on Thomas Tuh. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, sir. But he is the founder of Eternal Luso and they specialize in handcrafted one-of-a-kind concepts reconstructed from authentic canvases so they're making custom lighter cases with Louis Vuitton and Goyard he makes some really awesome jewelry sort of stands to put your watches and trays all made out of cool authentic Louis Vuitton Goyard whatever you want he makes it and everyone in these groups looks to this guy he's auctioning off items all the time so make sure you visit his profile Thomas Tuh and then you can also find him on Facebook he's got a website but Eterno Luso E-T-E-R-N-O-L-U-S-S-O and go check him out everyone he's an awesome guy hard worker he is the best of the best while Jeremy is a longtime friend and a close friend like I said he truly is the definition of a leader And he brought up something that I haven't talked about on today's show, which is the importance of failure. I haven't talked about it actually in a while. And it's so important to remember that it is okay to fail sometimes. As long as you get back up, you keep striding forward, you get your ass off the ground and you keep pushing and moving on and you learn from why you failed. That is the most important thing right there to learn from your failure, but going with that is Jeremy is a true, true leader in his industry. He is the best of the best. There is no one else better than Jeremy, in my opinion. So for all your health, personal training, bodybuilding needs, make sure you contact Jeremy and seek him as a resource. And hopefully he'll have his own podcast soon. I'm really working on it. So maybe go DM him on Instagram that you want to hear his podcast soon. But With all that being said, thank you for listening. Please make sure you're subscribed to the show. You're telling friends, family, coworkers. I always used to say the random person on the street. Let them know that you're listening to the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. This is a show that's here to educate you all. Like I always say about the shit that's not taught in school, but is needed in life. And today's a perfect example, nutrition, education, and physical ability and physical exercise and education they're not taught in school enough in my opinion so maybe go back listen to the episode with jeremy from season one if you have not listened to that yet but regardless thank you everyone for supporting have a great rest of your week have a great weekend have a great month and always make sure you lead by example in every single thing that you do Again, my name is Maverick Levy, and you just listened to another episode of The Best of the Best, Maverick's Guide to Success. Talk to everyone in a few weeks.